so what if I hand wrote you a letter, took yep. a picture of it on my phone, and texted it to Ooh, you? Oh, that's fascinating. If I broke up with someone that way or I broke up with them via text, which one would they be more upset about? <laughs> podcast thank you so much for listening in again this week it mean a lot to us if you left us a rating or review on apple podcasts helps a ton with visibility share this with your friends your coworkers, somebody you know loves nerd news my name is gerald goodrich i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who is constantly losing faith in people's good taste because denny villanoise movies don't make any money raymond summerland ray how are you doing man those are facts i'm very upset that blade runner didn't win all the awards it should have won all the awards. I'm, 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 I'm beat up about it. And now he's going to, he's going to attempt to make a, a, a fantasy classic, a sci-fi classic, Dune. Again, it's been done by someone who we, we both respect, David Lynch. Yeah. Not particularly well. Nope. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what he's able to do. But it is at least interesting. They're going to. He, it sounds like he's really going to go after this. Yeah, I uh, I mean, he seems like it's a passion project for him almost. And it seems like, um, you know, he said there's going to be at least two films. So that sounds like they're going to uh, film them back to back. Um, here's the thing. It can't make any less money than the original Dune because the original <laughs> Dune only made $30 million on a budget of $40 million. So uh, it's not very possible for it to make less money. I want them to get Toto back to do the theme as well. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> now, so I, it's going to be a passion project for him. It's going to be a beautiful film. Um, you know, I think if he can get uh, Deacons back for the cinematography, I think that is a home run. I mean, think about the, you know, the scanning, uh, spanning cinematography. You can see the, the world creation that it does. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'll, I'll definitely see it. And again, if he does them both at the same time, it guarantees that the sequel will probably come out in some way, shape or form, even if the film bombs. Yeah. Which, which obviously they might need because it might bomb because apparently we don't go see good movies that are beautiful, that have anything to say that have something to say anymore. We don't go see those movies. So, just sad. Just yeah. sad. I mean, I guess Arrival made 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 money, but it was in that yeah because it was in that sweet zone. Like there's a like I think the dilation is going to end up making its money back because it's kind of in that sweet zone of budget. Yeah, but it's yeah it's once you start getting above that, and I would have to imagine if they're tackling Dune that it's going to be above that. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I would anticipate something because the 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 budget for Blade Runner is somewhere between one fifty and one eighty five mil. So, a pair of Dune movies we're probably looking at what three hundred. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's going to be up there. It's going to need to make not Black Panther money, but it's going to need to make some money. Yeah, I don't know if a billion dollars is in the realm of possibility for a film that's probably going to be three hours long. Let's just be frank here. It's probably going to be a, a couple of long films. So here's here's hoping it works out well. I'm not hopeful for it making money, but I'm hopeful that it's going to be a fantastic film because 
he hasn't made a bad film yet. Uh, so we'll talk about another director that has a pretty good track record and is doing something a bit unique. John Favreau um, just announced about a week ago, uh, Disney and Star Wars announced that John Favreau will be working on writing and executive producing this kind of long gestating live action Star Wars TV show, you know, uh, they announced a couple months ago that Benioff and Weiss, who are best known for Game of Thrones, are doing a series. And before that, they talked about how Ryan Johnson, who directed episode um, episode eight, which I loved, Last Jedi, I thought it was great, uh, will be doing his own trilogy, Unconnected, as well. So now Favreau will be doing the TV show. Ray, we both like Favreau. Yeah. You and I enjoy Favreau's work. What does this do for you? Does this um, help or or add to the oversaturation that currently is Star Wars. Well, I mean, well, first of all, it's it's every time Favreau does something like this that's involved in these you know these massive projects, these massive blockbusters, you know, from Iron Man to Jungle Book to Lion King to whatever. It's just hilarious to me that this is the same guy that we were watching date Monica in Friends in the late nineties. <laughs> I just it's incredible to me. I don't understand how we went from swingers to this. I, uh, I just, I don't get it. But you know, good on him. He, he's made, he's made good stuff, and I, I'm certainly interested in seeing it. And to the, to the oversaturate saturation. There you go. That's how you say that word. Point. Tough. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I just don't think you can with Star Wars. I, I think you could if it was just more and more a Skywalker saga, I think you could get to that point of oversaturation. And maybe that was the problem with making Rogue One and and Solo the standalone movies, is that it's so it's so connected to those sagas that even though it's a different kind of point in it, it still it still feels like it's the same world. But there are it's the same kind of story. But there are so many stories in this world. This world is it's literally a universe that mm-hmm. you can you can take from there's so much story already in canon that you can take from. You could go off and maybe do your own thing and have your own imagined thing that I don't know that once we get into these stories and we start to branch out with, with Rian Johnson and Benioff and Weiss and, and obviously whatever Favreau is going to do here, I'm not so worried about it feeling all the same because I think it's just, you know, you don't think movies that are happen to be set on earth are the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we don't think of like Casablanca the same way we think of, the thin red line. So like it just, they just, they both happen to be set on earth. So it's just, I think that this world, this universe is so expansive that if they're doing different things, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is, is you've got, I think you've got three really unique voices going on. You've got Benioff and Vice who are, you know, again, best known for game of Thrones. Those guys do the, um, kind of the big epic, um, period pieces and they do, um, you know, kind of the sword and sorcery type deal that would be very, very fitting in something like, um, you know, the Sith era, the old Republic, uh, you know, pre prequels, which is a weird thing to say. Um, I would love to see, you know, Darth Bane or the Sith Wars or the Mandalorian Wars or something like that. Um, where uh, the other Ryan Johnson seems like part and parcel to some sort of bounty hunter tale or, um, you know, Coruscant underworld. And then you've got Favreau. I, I don't know where, where Favreau fits. Cause like you said before, he's got such a diverse background of things. He's, you know, he's done elf. He's done Zathura, which is maybe a better Jumanji. If you've seen both of them, that may be blasphemy. Uh, Iron no, Man. I, Ka- I love Zathura. 
who that is like the one of the most underrated family films that's out there. Like if you haven't seen it, early don't sleep. Zathra, do it. Um, you know he did Iron Man. He he was EP on Avengers, Iron Man three, and Age of Ultron. So you know one and three quarters good movies there. Uh, so um, I don't know what he does, but I, he does good work, and so I'm fine with it. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like I I think as long as they keep doing this and they allow them to have their you know to have their pick like what do you want to do and they go and do it then yeah i think it's uh i think it's going to work out just fine yeah i think my only complaint is that it's another straight white guy doing a star <laughs> wars thing well i mean it, we could get a little diverse voices in there but they did say in the announcement that he would be working with diverse creators on it so i'd love to see a very diverse writers room there them see some more diversity in the the episode direction and things like that but uh you know it wouldn't be too woke nerds without one of us saying something that's tangentially <laughs> political and probably <laughs> offensive uh which is is fine it's it's totally fine it's two woke nerds uh so let's move on to something that's not controversial uh Avengers Infinity War is like five weeks away it's it's, it's rapidly so approaching fast it's like I, I you look up and you go oh we're it's coming so quickly, so fast. And then they even moved it up a week, ruining my life because I just realized last week that it's going to be the same weekend as the NFL draft, which is terrible for me. It's like, it's so, it's coming so fast. I, I don't know why pre-sales aren't happening yet. I'm so confused by what's going on. Here's the thing. Is is Avengers moving forward ruining your life or is the NFL draft ruining your life? Because there's also a little Petey Pablo concert in Texas that you wanted to go to that same weekend. Man, the draft, like... Don't schedule things on the same weekend as the draft, please. Petey. <laughs> Petey. I need you to come back to Texas, please. <laughs> <laughs> You're on a first-name basis with Mr. Pablo. Uh, I, I did I did miss the Ja Rule and Ashanti concert that came through here as well. And so I need to make better life choices. Struggle bus. No. So uh, <laughs> Avengers is coming at us a million miles an hour. We haven't gotten a second trailer yet. Fans are clamoring on the internet for a second trailer. But... Uh, in a big kind of blitz of uh, of media, Entertainment Weekly did a bunch of covers and some cover stories, and that's pretty part and parcel for it. But um, yesterday, Monday, at the time of recording, uh, the Russo brothers kind of sneakily dropped some images on their Facebook page that revealed a little bit more of what's going on. So they, uh, I believe it's six or seven images of things going on. You've got your different angle of the standoff in Wakanda. You know, you've got... Um, you know, Okoye, you've got Black Panther, uh, Captain America, uh, Black Widow, who again, new Avengers means new hair for her and new sleek vibranium arm, uh, Bucky Barnes, all leading the charge. Uh, there you've got, you know, an image of the New York sect of the Avengers. So you know, you've got uh, Dr. Strange and Iron Man and, you know, all of that. So you've got a lot of these images and, and we kind of, I don't want to go through them one by one because it's great to talk about pictures on a podcast. But if you haven't, go to the Russo Brothers Facebook. You can literally Google Russo Brothers Facebook and it'll come up. But, Ray, what stood out to you among all of these images? Was there anything that really jumped out to you that gives you a, uh, a view of what is going to happen or, uh, or make you have any sort of different feelings about the Avengers? Well, I, I think more of the covers. I, I found the covers interesting mostly by how they, how they grouped the how they grouped the um, – the Avengers, like you, you really get a feel for kind of where they lie. Also, how they chose which one got their own was interesting to me. Like Doctor Strange has his own, but but Thor doesn't. 
I don't know about I don't know about those decision making processes. I also um, we confirmed I think the bleeding edge armor for Iron Man. Yep, like that that has been completely confirmed. And you look at the cover, and he has like that like the attachments. I suppose I guess we have to call them attachments. Yeah, that allow him to fly deep into space, which is interesting. So yeah, I I just there are interesting things like that. If you look at those Russo brother pictures, I mean it, we've known this since since they started calling him White Wolf. We knew that Bucky was going to was going to lead the war dogs. So it's, you know, it's interesting to see that as well. So yeah. So just stuff like that. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of confirming what we already know, which means that, you know, they're probably hiding some things for later. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're definitely playing this close to the chest. We still don't have a trailer. Uh, the one thing that, well, I guess two things that jump out at me is one, uh, we got a very clear shot of Thanos throwing the planet, which yeah. Uh, yeah. looked real, real cool. <laughs> real, real cool. It looks uh it looks like the kind of thing that it's going to be hard to write a story in which mortals make that stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and How do you stop a planet? A planet? Like if Bruce Willis couldn't stop an asteroid, how are you going to stop a planet? He stopped that asteroid and he didn't Fair miss enough. a thing. <laughs> the, so the you know looking through the thing that jumps out at me, we have not seen anything of Loki outside of this kind of crashed ship. So I, and again, spoiler alert, possibly, I, we don't know anything. This is all speculation. But again, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Pause, pause, pause. I think Loki dies very early on in this film. I think Thanos wrecks whatever is going on with uh, whatever ship you know Thor and Loki are on. I think Loki gives him the uh, Tesseract, which is one of the Infinity Stones, one of the earlier ones he has. And then Thanos offs him. Like that would be that'd be fitting. It would be a good way to to off a fan favorite character. He gets a very uh, prominent, very uh, fitting death for a character who has become a fan favorite, but you know may have overstayed his welcome just a little bit. Yeah, and it like it would be fitting in that he's going to Loki's going to go try to be Loki and run this gambit, and we learned that you know, Thanos is a is a different breed to what they're used to dealing with a little bit. And so, and so that would be, you know, that'd be interesting, but I don't know if he would do that. I mean, the way that he acted with, um, with Ronan in guardians, it's just, he, like he was very forgiving. So I, I don't really know. I don't know how this is all going to go down. It, he was that, that whole thing that he had with, with the destroyer in, in guardians, like it was weird if we're supposed to believe that he's a he is a being that's going to come to Earth and just start killing everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be interesting to see how they set it up, but I guarantee you, I I trust the Russos at this point in my life. I trust the Russos. They are two for two with me on on Marvel movies. You know, Civil War and uh, Winter Soldier are probably. If not my top two, two of my top five for sure. So the Russos get any sort of cachet from me that they need. Uh, and the movie I'm assuming is just going to be amazing because it's the Russos and it's everything I've wanted since I started reading comic books as a small child. So I'm into it. So moving on to uh, last thing for this week, we got kind of out of nowhere a uh, yeah. a trailer for the next uh, in the Harry Potter saga, um, which they really weirdly hamstrung themselves with this Fantastic Beasts thing. I don't necessarily get how it works, but Fantastic Beasts and where the heck is Johnny Depp, also known as Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So we got a trailer and 
pretty standard Harry Potter stuff, but we got a lot of Jude Law as a younger Albus Dumbledore. So, Ray, you have been, I don't want to say um, critical of Fantastic Beasts, but you definitely were more critical than I was about it. I don't know if you uh, loved it as much as a lot of people did. So did this do anything for you as a uh, maybe not as deep Harry Potter fan or not as big of a fan of the, the Fantastic Beasts franchise? Yeah, I mean, my well, my problem with Fantastic Beasts, the first one was just that, like, some of the actors were just terrible. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't really go down to, like, the the movie itself. It's just that they were they were bad and some of them are back. So, uh, in fact, one of them's a main character. So, uh, old Tina. So I, uh, so I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I will say that I don't think Dumbledore should be that handsome. I'm not, I don't really feel great about that. Like Jude law is too handsome. He does seem to have that, that, that clever mischievousness down though. So we, at least we get to see that in the trailer, which I, which I enjoy, and he says something very interesting, which I think is is going to be one of the more, you know, kind of one of the more interesting parts of this movie because it seems like this movie, even though it's called you know the Crimes of Grindelwald, this is going to be a Dumbledore movie. Yeah, uh, it seems fairly clear. And he says that he can't face him. That's why Newt has to go and face him. He can't face him now. Obviously, we know the viewer what happens eventually, but why why can't he face him now? He says. Like later on, I believe he says the guilt from that battle where his sister died and everything like that. But is it something else? What's going on? Why can't he go and face this person that he could, you know, theoretically, he's the only person that can stop? Yeah, that, I mean, it's, it is, if you don't do a uh, Grindelwald first Wizarding War movie without deeply exploring the uh, relationship and the fissures between. Uh, Albus Dumbledore and and Gellert Grindelwald like you just don't you don't do that you know so I'm interested to see I I, I thought I loved Jude Law like everything they showed of Jude Law I was like th- it just felt right like it felt different enough from what was in the earlier films it felt different enough from Richard Harris and different enough from Michael Gambon but still close enough to it to feel like familiar to feel like Dumbledore it felt like Dumbledore as a young man who didn't have you know decades you know what in the in the Harry Potter world that had been 30 or 40 years since it was probably 30 years I think so it felt like a 30 year younger Dumbledore and and I liked it Um, he had that kind of tongue-in-cheek thing that Michael Gambon, Michael Gambon, Gambon however you say did so well um, as Dumbledore toward the end of the um for the end of the series. And so I'm excited to see it again. The thing that I, um, the thing that I'm still hesitant on, I'm just not a Johnny Depp guy. Yeah. I'm not a Johnny Depp guy. I think they, he looks more deranged, a little more unhinged than he did, obviously in the first film. I think, uh, they tried to do this weird slick back hair deal in the first one. I still like, I still think they should have just let it be Colin Farrell and just let him change the accent. Like if you do again, spoiler alert, spoiler, spoiler alert. If you do that as the end of the usual suspects, I'm in like just have him change his voice and his mannerisms. But instead he just changes his face and becomes Johnny Depp with weird hair and eyes. Um, my, my biggest concern I think is Ezra Miller. Credence, that Credence character was annoying to me in the first film and Ezra Miller is back. So, I, I don't know. 
yeah, he's another one of the people that I was not a fan of in the in the and in general, as we've learned. So, <laughs> so if you if you give me if this is a lot of Jude Law and Eddie Redmayne, yeah, perfect. Maybe throw some Dan Fogler in there. Perfect. Let's let's just do that. We have to talk about Fogler. How are they going to reintegrate him? Because, like, obviously they hinted that he still had some of his memory when when Queenie walked into the bakery at the end, right? They hinted that he still has some of his memory, but he he lost. He doesn't know Newt. Like how? And suddenly they're gallivanting around Paris again. Like I don't I don't understand how that's going to work. Why does the ministry always suck? Like. Why does that have to always be your plot device that they just suck? Like, can't they every now and again just go, oh, yeah, something bad's happening. We should deal with it. Yeah. Um, in the most non-controversial way possible, sometimes you can't depend on those in power to do the right thing. But sometimes, obviously, you ha- they do. Like it can't be, it can't be literally every important moment in history. If literally every important moment in history, the ministry was wrong, why would anybody in the present trust that they were correct? If they had literally been on the wrong side of history at every important moment in your universe, then why in the world, whenever Voldemort's coming back, would you think, oh yeah, they're probably right this time? Like it's unbelievable to me. This is this is basically now if the British government did not do anything about both World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam. It just doesn't... It's just, like, what? It's real confusing to me. I don't understand. I, I don't understand how, why anybody thinks, oh, yes, the ministry, they're going to handle it. It's just confusing. I, I'm i not sure, but we will, uh, we will see uh, in November, because that's Harry Potter month. But that brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show, your favorite segment, my favorite segment, your grandmother's favorite segment, don't sleep on it. So, Ray, what can the good folks not sleep on this week? Well, this is almost more of a public service announcement, so we plan next week. We plan. Keep those fingers crossed. This is NFL Free Agency Week. We'll see how it goes. But we plan next week to talk about Jessica Jones Season 2. So if you have not watched Jessica Jones Season 2, I am, I'm, getting, I'm getting through it. If you haven't watched Jessica Jones Season 2, then uh, try to – you know, get it done before next week because we will we will be talking about that. So, just wanted to do a nice little PSA there. Yes, season one, phenomenal, great stuff. Yeah. David Tennant, phenomenal. Kristen Ritter, good stuff. A lot. Kilgrave is just, just perfect. He's up there. He's probably one of if one of the strongest Marvel villains out there. My don't sleep real quickly uh, is a little uh, Netflix documentary called Ugly Delicious. And it is um, David Chang. He's a chef. You know, he's Michelin rated. All all the pretentious stuff you hear when you talk about chefs. Um, and he is exploring the um, kind of roots and backgrounds and the people side of the most popular foods that are out there. And so, you know, the first episode, he's looking at pizza, and he goes and um, kind of this renowned uh, like brick oven pizza place in, in Queens and then he goes to Napoli and then he ends up delivering Domino's pizzas and it's just this really interesting thing the second one uh, is about tacos and so they go like to this village in Mexico and then there's like this kind of pr- uh, I'm not big in the food culture like deal like that's I, I love good food but I don't know maybe it's not just me but he goes to this like uh, fancy they're trying to do these fancy seaside tacos and it just feels a lot like cultural appropriation to me. I'm just going to be really honest with you. 
so uh, but it the it's so cool it made me super hungry for tacos uh, so my wife and I had uh, had Mexican food after watching it on Sunday but it's really cool it gives you really interesting kind of 360 degree of um, food and the people that make it and kind of its impact on um, culture and how food evolves as culture evolves. So it's really, really interesting. So it's called Ugly Delicious on Netflix. It's a, you know, hour long episode. So they're a full documentary. So an hour long uh, episode per food type, but check it out. If you're already paying for Netflix, you might as well watch it. But that brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, thank you so much for listening in again this week. Ray, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at all hours of the night at this week <laughs> at RM Summerlin writing about all of the uh, most awesome fantasy football moves and NFL moves and how those affect what is becoming a billion-dollar industry in the United States. Becoming? Uh, Is already? Yeah, Yeah, is. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Two Oak Nerds, and you can obviously email us, twooaknerdspod at gmail.com. If you're one of my friends that are into Texas Longhorns news and sports, you can check me out on Longhorn Republic as well. We'll be diving in to that with uh, our friend of the show, Maester Kyle Carpenter, is my co-host there. I absolutely love it. Thank you guys so much for listening again again this week. And until next time, stay woke. Stay woke. (laughs) Thank you.